This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Dennis Dunn. How you doing, Dennis? I'm doing great, Ed. How about yourself? Great, and we also have Jeff Miller here. How you doing, Jeff? Great, glad to be here. Now, Jeff and Dennis, you're here today to talk about a project that you're both working on called WorldVax. But before we get started, why don't you two give us a little bit of information about who you guys are, what you do. Uh, Dennis, go ahead and start. Well, gee, um, I'm on my third career now, and it, that one just happens to be software development. Um, I'm working for a, a uh, consulting firm here in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, just having a great time. Uh, trying to Right now, I'm playing around with uh, a bunch of IoT things and uh, trying to get the, you know, the Windows IoT core running on my Raspberry Pi, and that's proving to be very interesting. I just did a workshop on that Windows IoT stuff a couple of weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Well, I may uh, I may send you an email and look for some guidance. <laughs> All right. I know some people that I can hook you up with. Uh, Jeff, why don't you uh, give us a little info about you and and what you're doing? Thanks, Ed. I'm also a consultant from Columbus. Uh, Dennis and I currently work for the same company. And uh, I work as a consultant doing software development and application architecture. I've been doing this for about not quite 20 years. I just turned 40, so uh, getting up there. Um, but uh, we we do a lot of business applications in the Columbus area. I work with healthcare and government and those kind of things. And uh, we uh, do a lot of what I call lossing crud, line of business, create, read, update, and delete web applications. I'm sure most of us developers can relate with that. <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing that kind of work myself. Absolutely. So you guys have a project that you started called WorldVax. Uh, so let's dig into that a bit. Uh, what is WorldVax? Uh, let's let's get like that top level, um, just kind of get everybody up to speed on what it is. Well, WorldVax is an open source project centered around giving vaccine guidance to healthcare providers in uh, various regions around the world. Uh, it, giving vaccines is not, uh, not, you know, plain and simple. It actually takes a little bit of care and knowledge to give the right kind of guidance and administer vaccines in a proper way. So uh, what we're wanting to do is to take that guidance, some decision support software, and provide it to uh, NGO workers and to community health workers in other countries. So this is like a, no a nonprofit, open source type of initiative. Yes, yes, we're uh, we're an initiative that focuses uh, primarily on uh, other country scenarios. Uh, it turns out that one in five children does not have access to vaccine initiatives. And one of the big reasons for that is because they're in such remote areas. They're not next to the other four children, so they don't have access to those vaccines as readily. This is one of those things where we see, uh, you know, 
uh, cheaper internet technologies making their way into uh, developing countries, and now you guys are develop developing an app to try to, to benefit that uh, technology growing in those areas. Yeah, we're, we're targeting a category that people are calling M-Health or mobile health, and it relies on mobile technology to uh, solve a lot of interesting problems. So what what motivated you guys to kind of start this project yourselves? Well, a few years ago, I worked for the state of Ohio on the immunization registry that, that, that they have that tracks immunizations for the children and, and patients throughout the state. And uh, I was assigned to rewrite something called the vaccine algorithm which takes uh, all the data about your vaccine history, what immunizations you've already received, and then runs some rules and then decides what you should get next and when you should get them. And through the process of that, uh, I really got hooked on the topic. And uh, when I came back to ICC and uh, hooked up with Dennis, we decided to use that concept and uh, we entered a, a contest to present our idea and, and got some real good progress with that, and we've been doing it ever since. Now, you and Dennis work together. Is is that how you guys kind of got brought in together on this one project? Well, actually, uh, we we met at the Columbus Downtown Tech Book Club. Is that the right name of it? Sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, uh, so we would the group would get together for lunch. We'd be reading some book on software development. That's how I met Jeff. And then uh, when this contest uh, came about uh, through the company we're working for, Jeff is just very persistent. I couldn't tell him <laughs> no any longer. So I've been doing this for the last three years. Yeah, not to get too far off topic. Um, I'm not too far away from Columbus. and I'm in Louisville and I'm up in Columbus quite often and uh, you mentioned a developer book club like there is always something developer related going on up in Columbus if it's not a book club it's like a tabletop gaming night or some sort of meetup going on up there oh sure did you make it up to Star Trek yeah absolutely um, I got to speak at Star Trek uh, that's the uh, very cool event up in Columbus where you go speak or attend at a movie theater and uh, you get to present up on the big screen. If you're one of the presenters, uh, there's, there's nothing like it. Uh, didn't one of you guys have a session at uh, Star Trek as well? Yeah. Uh, 2015, I presented on graph databases, uh, Neo 4J. Uh, I call it six degrees of Devon, how graph databases can save your bacon. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, you were saying, Dennis? Oh, no, I was just chuckling because I've heard uh. that joke so many times. I hear somebody else chuckle at it, too. Uh, it's it's just good. Yeah, I, I like bacon. It was it was a good fit for the, the title of the topic. Uh, developers and bacon are usually not too far apart. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, like, it's like peanut butter and jelly. So, so back to the uh, topic at hand. Uh, what does the uh, WorldVax uh, software that you guys are putting together? What what purpose do you guys plan on serving with that? 
Well, we, we see the need for uh, healthcare teams that are going to vulnerable patient populations. Uh, they need access to data entry and to guidance in the field. And uh, what you see in a lot of countries now in the developing world is a heavy reliance on SMS, and you don't yet have the uh, great penetration of the, the smartphones that we take for granted. But what we're exploring is enabling teams out in remote areas uh, that may not have Internet access to network together in a mobile environment on sort of a private network uh, using wireless communication and uh, going from, through the whole process of, of patient intake where you sit down with the patient, you get whatever records they may have, and you input all that data, and then you send them off to the caregiver that would, would administer the proper vaccines based on uh, what is forecasted that they need. And then on the way out, they uh, look at the guidance in addition to uh, project what kind of follow-up appointment would be necessary. So uh, what what do you see the future of the, the WorldVax uh, software being? Well, what we're really aiming to do with it is to raise the awareness of the problem. Uh, as I said, one in five don't have access, and there's a lot of uh, pilot program type activity going on in the medical space. Uh, certainly vaccines is one of those. And we want to make an impact really on, on this part of the, the world and, and its needs. Uh, because what you find is that there's a lot of variability in training between the most skilled medical professional and someone that is just kind of recruited to assist with medical care. Um, community health workers don't have the uh, benefit of, of vast medical training. Often they're incorporated into uh, efforts to re do outreach into the community and to do direct follow-up with people in their own villages, in their own countries. And uh, so a lot of times you don't have a, a big background in, say, epidemiology. We're certainly not epidemiologists, but we uh, have an approach that we use that uh, takes guidance from um, well-recognized sources in the U.S., uh, the CDC, for one, uh, the Centers for Di uh, Disease Control and Prevention, and the ACIP, the uh, the standards body that comes up with the uh, prescribed immunization practices. And uh, we take the documentation that they have and we try to distill it into software that anybody can use. The interesting thing about there, the exciting thing about this to me is that uh, when you go to a place like Sub-Saharan Africa, you have a lot of poverty, a lot of, I mean, there are villages out there, you go in, you know, you ask, okay, do we have electricity in this village? Why, no, we don't. Do we have running water in this village? Well, why, no, we don't. Ah, but what about cell phones? Do we have cell phones? Everybody in the village has a cell phone. There are more cell phones than toilets. They are ubiquitous. Now, granted, they're not smartphones yet, but that is going to change as smartphones become more and more prevalent. 
using even something like SMS, uh, various organizations have have created initiatives and programs to use these fairly simple devices to provide health care in these remote areas. Um, even barely literate uh, people can provide health care to their to their neighbors by using these devices and these systems. It's, it's really very exciting. Yeah, even with SMS, you have like a basic you know input output mechanism where you can you know send somebody a message or instructions and receive a reply from them. Uh, you can even receive commands to to do things like um, look up information and, and reply back like a using like a bot type of a service. So th there's a lot of things that you can do even if you're you know not on a smartphone. Um, you could use that uh, SMS kind of as a terminal into something. Absolutely, and the fr the first thing that we're trying to really um, address here is. Uh, with, the, uh, with the application that we've already developed, uh, uh, kind of addressing foreign uh, foreign workers who go to uh, these remote areas as part of uh, faith-based medical missions or uh, uh, NGOs that are going out into uh, into some of these areas to provide this medical care and. Those people coming from first world countries are going to have a little bit better, a uh, little bit more technologically advanced devices, and we can do a lot with those. Yeah, so, in fact, uh, I'm sorry, um, World Vision uh, has been piloting, uh, I think it's Android devices. I know there are smartphones uh, in several places, and so they've got a few hundred, a few thousand of these devices applied directly to these kinds of problems. So the project for you guys, it's it's fairly new, is that correct? Well, we've been plugging away at this for a while, and it's really a, a labor of love so far. It's been in our spare time. Uh, the company that we work for has been very supportive of uh, the idea and the efforts that we're putting into it, and we're exploring different ways that that can be supported. Um, but uh, we've just recently put the code for the application out on GitHub. Um, I think back in January, we put our first Android release publicly available. Uh, it's the 0.4.0 alpha, so it's not even uh, a beta yet, but it's, it's, very, uh, it's very workable for a prototype. And we're looking to get traction with that prototype to partner with organizations that can apply this technology. So the the application itself is in the App Store. If uh, somebody wanted to take a look at it, well, not yet. It's uh, it's in our GitHub repository uh, in, in the releases section. So it, it's an APK that you can download and install on your Android device. Uh, if you have enabled the developer, was it developer tools or I think it's the unknown sources option in Android and allows you to uh, ah, okay. install external applications. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was, was just trying to get an idea of what the state of the current application is. So uh, you're saying it's um, available if developers wanted to take it and put it on their device and see see how it works. 
Right, and in, in fact, we've had uh, a handful of developers contribute to this. Um, in fact, we we networked with an organization called Geeks Without Bounds, and through that uh, relationship, we connected with uh, Professor Paul Mason from Scotland, and uh, he had some of the students at his university pick this as one of the projects that they worked on for a hackathon. So that was a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the hackathon? Yeah, it was the uh, the Glasgow University Tech Society. Uh, they, I think it was last October, they picked projects to work on for a weekend. And uh, Paul Mason said that the students talked about it, and they agreed that they wanted to work on worldbacks over some of the other candidates that were available. Nice. You see a lot of the uh, hackathons uh, support stuff like this, and we have uh, we have some here in uh, Kentucky that go on. Uh, there's like Civic Hacks. There's um, uh, what they call the Startup Weekend. Uh, so those yeah. are really cool events for people to get out there and uh, try to get their, their projects picked up in uh, – get them more visibility or or find uh, people to work on the project with them and, and help open source, right. you know, get get some traction there. Right. Uh, we've, we've talked a few times with the uh, folks from the Humanitarian Toolbox Project. Uh, Tony Serma has been gracious enough to sit down with us and, and have some conversations and, and compare notes with their efforts. Uh, we're always... Uh, motivated to kind of spread the word about other projects that are in the same spirit that we are, you know, kind of humanitarian aid and, and uh, you know, helping people in, in desperate situations. And what type of features are, are working in your current version? Well, we've got some basic data uh, entry and retrieval. Uh, we've got search functionality. Uh, very recently, we actually used the uh, camera integration that's available through the Cordova platform. The uh, the platform that we're using is, is a hybrid application platform for mobile devices. It's Cordova, specifically Ionic with uh, Angular and Cordova combined. And this allows us to potentially target more than just Android. We're able to use that more broadly for iOS, of course. Yeah, at uh, Telerik, we support several app models with um, with our tooling and stuff. We we have uh, products for Apache Cordova uh, with our Telerik platform, and then we also do some uh, native um, uh, projects with uh, a, a tool that we have, or a framework we have called NativeScript, that allows you to write uh, JavaScript and deploy to iOS and Android. Uh, so there, there's a lot of popularity in these um, tools, like you mentioned, uh, Apache Cordova, and being able to create these hybrid applications that run on uh, multiple types of uh, operating systems. Um, and, uh, you know, Android's probably going to be a, a very popular system uh, for developer co developing countries, let's say, uh, more than... You might expect to see an iOS out in those those fields. Yeah, that that was our thinking, and in fact, uh, this is our 
second uh, pass at implementation, uh, we initially looked at uh, using Mono and some of the Xamarin tools and, and those kinds of things. Um, we've also talked about incorporating a Raspberry Pi into the model um, because it gives you so many more development options for server-side functionality. Um, one of the things that we uh, built into our architectural assumptions up front was that, you know, you don't have the Internet necessarily everywhere you're going to be going to administer care. And so we felt that uh, a private Wi-Fi network, uh, possibly featuring a Raspberry Pi as a conduit or a server, would be a nice uh, introduction to that. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. There's so many new technologies available that that kind of give you a lot more freedom to set up networks and run uh, servers and host applications for people than there's ever been before. Yeah. So what what type of technologies do you guys use in your professional careers, and did that influence your decisions uh, with your technologies that you chose for the WorldVax project? Yeah, that was a big limitation for us. Uh, we're not, you know, mobile developers by trade uh, in our day jobs, but um, one of the, the parts of the application that we wanted to see really become developed was a rules engine that processes the vaccine uh, guidance. And we looked at even Prolog initially. And if you can imagine, Prolog isn't such a popular language that you can put it on every platform and every uh, integration environment. So we kind of had to step back and say, well, what do we know? We know C Sharp. We know web development. Uh, HTML, JavaScript, CSS, those kinds of things. And that was really uh, a driver for us. If we were going to write it ourselves, we had to pick the skills that, that we had available. And so are you finding uh, any like sorts of learning curves or um, any roadblocks with uh, using Apache Cordova coming from the other background or? Not really. Um, being as, you know, the hybrid apps, are, it's all JavaScript and HTML5 and all that kind of fun stuff. I, the hardest part was really uh, learning, I guess, learning the Angular idioms, um, services in the background and how they're all the routing and all, all that sort of thing happens. But uh, the Internet is a wonderful place. Google is very helpful. I was I was able to look that stuff up. You know, you copy some code in and you do that until it doesn't do what you want anymore, and then you figure out another little piece of it. Uh, so I was really happy. All all things considered, I was really happy that I was able to actually get a a prototype together that looks pretty darn good. So you're being a designer. I was, so you're able to um, so you're you're able to reuse some of your existing web skills, and it's more uh, learning the domain specific stuff rather than learning an entirely new development um, experience. Oh sure, I mean uh, right now um, I'm doing every I'm doing I'm a .NET guy right now, uh, but before this I uh, was. Uh, more into the web space and before that you know i 
program stuff in TCL. I mean, once you know enough languages, it's it's not the language that starts to hang you up. It's the idioms, and then, like you said, uh, learning the the domain knowledge that's required to do this vaccine forecasting. And luckily, the CDC uh, has that information already worked out. The uh, CDSI logic spec is kind of our our guideline for the for the actual hard bits of vaccine forecasting. And are, are there any specific, like, uh, partnerships that you guys are looking for or, um, you know, organizations that you would hope to be able to work with someday on this that you you, you guys are kind of reaching out to or are hoping that you could get in touch with that would really help, you know, boost this to a higher level? Well, that's exactly it. We are currently looking for partners who are in this space who actually send medical teams to some of these remote areas so that we can talk to them about getting this getting this application uh, maybe uh, into some sort of a field trial uh, that's really the kind of the focus of what we've been doing here recently we do, we, we do have some feelers out we have some people helping us uh, get to to try to to find some of those partners but that is definitely the big one right now and you said you had some contributions coming on uh, your open source project uh, part of this um, is there room for more contributions um, is there a way that uh, we can get more people involved yeah we have a github account it's uh, github.com slash worldvax and we've been trying to continually improve the onboarding process so that our startup documentation is more uh, comprehensive and streamlined and that the process for newcomers is uh, much easier than it otherwise would be from the, the beginning. I know that uh, when we had the students work on it from uh, Scotland, they expressed some, some uh, difficulty that they had in, in getting started and so we've we've made efforts to provide better setup documentation, and uh, so GitHub would be the place to go for that. And that's one thing we when we go to these conferences, we've been talking to the Tony Shermans and these guys uh, about what we can do to make this project fly. And one of the things they've they've all told us is to reduce the barriers to entry for for developers wanting to come in and and that's what we're we're working on right now is uh, trying to make it uh, a little bit easier for somebody to uh, fork the code maybe implement one small feature submit a pull request so that's uh that's the learning cliff we're on right now yeah, it, it's it's been a real learning experience all the way around. I mean, in some ways, it feels kind of like a startup experience where you're wearing a lot of different hats. I do the promotion uh, quite a bit, and you know, beat the drum of of the need and the project. And uh, Dennis has contributed uh, so much on the technical side uh, to the application, and you know, every time we turn around, there's some new problem to solve. 
and it's it's a way for us to grow individually and as a team. Yeah, it sounds like um, you guys have quite the uh, the initiative to get out there and get this done. Have you tried uh, submitting uh, talks specifically about the project to conferences to try to get some pickup there? Well, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, I did speak at a, a number of conferences um, recently, and you know, those were technical topics about just things I was interested in, but we're, we're looking at ways that we can do topics of interest to tech folks uh, and work the project in as kind of the baseline for the basis for uh, the, the talks and the examples and provide a rich set of topics that we can demonstrate. And, of course, Cordova and Ionic are, are good topics that, that draw interest. Um, we have not submitted for the project itself uh, recently, but that's something that we're looking at, and we want to start promoting it that way especially. As a uh, person who used to organize conferences, um, my advice would be to maybe try uh, using a soft skills track or something of that nature, and uh, then you can you have an open platform to talk about you know your passion behind the project and how uh how you use your personal time to work on it and uh things from that perspective and that might give you a way to to get it out there and to, uh talk directly about the project itself yeah absolutely no no uh group of people is too small to take our message to and we've we've talked at uh small group settings in in our local company special interest group and and things of that nature and uh we're we're really happy to be able to share whenever possible yeah i think developers in general would be interested in hearing about uh your guys's efforts and and what it involves to do something like this and um hopefully more people will join your your effort here and contribute to open source and maybe open doors to uh, connect with those people that you need to get in touch with to make this a bigger thing. Um, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and give folks um, some contact information and get your uh, URLs out there. Where can we find you guys? Where can we find the project? Um, are you guys blogging? Uh, that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, we're, we have a website. It's worldvax.org. That's W-O-R-L-D-V-A-X.org. Uh, we are at Worldvax on Twitter. And our GitHub site is github.com slash worldvax. Um, we also uh, tweet ourselves. Uh, I'm at Zagronaut. That's X-A-G-R-O-N-A-U-T. And uh, Dennis here is Anso5. That's A-N-S-O. F-I-V-E is in the number. Well, guys, I appreciate your time for coming out to the show to talk about your project. Uh, it sounds really interesting, and it sounds like something that could be really helpful to many, many people. Uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. Well, thanks, Ed. Uh, we, we really uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast, and it's uh, one more opportunity to share the the goals that we have and, and look for ways to collaborate. Thanks and a lot for having us. Oh, you're welcome. Um, and we will include um, 
those links that you guys mentioned in the show notes. So if you go to developer.tillerk.com, where we post the show uh, in the show notes, you'll be able to find those links there uh, so you can get in touch or jump on the GitHub repo and start committing. Thanks a lot, Dennis and Jeff, uh, for joining me. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye.